Conditioning time, especially for football, and unfortunately, we have lost some fine athletes to heat-related illnesses. Since 2008, 33 NCAA athletes have died of heat-related illness, and equally alarming is the fact that since 2021, 18 high school athletes have died of heat illness. These are preventable and 100% survivable if properly recognized and treated in the first 30 minutes, especially when cold water immersion is utilized properly. Hello and welcome to the Youth Sports Safety Update produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program or JSMP in Jacksonville, Florida. JSMP is a nonprofit dedicated to youth sports safety through advocacy, awareness, and prevention. Your host today is Jim Mackey, a consultant to JSMP and a seasoned certified athletic trainer. We ask you to please subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at jaxsmp.com for more information about youth sports safety. Joining us today is a parent who has had the most unfortunate and night experience and nightmare of losing a son, Jordan, age 19, while participating in collegiate football conditioning program due to heat stroke. He has created the Jordan McNair Foundation as well as written a book entitled, Can My Child Play? He just spent the past week at the National Athletic Trainers Association annual meeting where he shared his message with numerous athletic trainers and healthcare professionals. The goal of the Jordan McNair Foundation is to diminish the number of heat-related deaths that occur to student-athletes. This foundation also sponsors programs aimed at community involvement and engagement. Please welcome Mr. Martin McNair, Jordan's father, founder of the Jordan McNair Foundation. Thank you for having us for this conversation today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me on your show. Much appreciated. Well, thank you very much. It's a very difficult topic, but uh, we're we're grateful that there are champions like you that will uh, not let the legacy or the memory of Jordan pass. And uh, so tell us a little bit about Jordan, who he was, what his story was, and uh, just really how you got to this place on this journey. Sure. So basically, uh, obviously, you know, you, you said it, Jordan was, uh, uh, I mean, a uh, great 19-year-old human being, man, just a, a really good guy who kind of we thought had the world as his oyster in a sense uh, and doing something that he liked to do. Um, so I tell people all the time, the last time I talked to Jordan was uh, May 28th of 2018. And it was just basically typical father-son conversation, you know, in college. Uh, hey, son, I know practice starts tomorrow. Uh, give me a call later in the week. And basically it was like, okay. Um, and then our next conversation was, son, if you can hear me, squeeze my finger, son, if you can hear me, blink your eyes. And basically we went from a healthy kid Tuesday morning to an emergency liver transplant Friday morning with him being within uh, six to 12 hours of his life. If we didn't get an emergency liver transplant, 85% of his liver had necrosis of in non-medical terms, 85% of his liver was dead. And as a parent, we're wondering what happened between Tuesday and Wednesday. And that really just kind of really sparked our interest or, or sparked my journey uh, into the advocacy that we do today. Um, you know, as a parent, you know, you mentioned about my book. The name of my book is Can My Child Play? Um, and the reason that it's called Can My Child Play? Because I was like every parent in America, Tanya and I, Jordan's mom. Uh, all I was concerned about was can Jordan play? Can he get some playing time? And why isn't he getting any playing time? I, like every other parent in America, had no idea of the list of the laundry list of questions that should be asked long before we're even concerned about whether they should be playing or not. So was totally unaware of all the stats, but one of the big things that while Jordan was in the hospital fighting for those two weeks was 
uh, I kept asking myself, like, what did I miss? I missed something. I missed something. But basically, you know, I, I missed everything that I didn't know. I just hadn't seen it yet. And we totally were oblivious to any type of heat related injuries, whether it was heat exhaustion, heat stroke. You know, basically, you just thought I thought heat stroke meant you'd been in the sun too long. And you basically just need to get to some shade and some water. Um, unfortunately, you know, we really didn't know any of the statistics that were at the collegiate level, at the AU level, at the high school level uh, in regards to this or what a tragedy it can become if it's mismanaged. So when Jordan passed June the 13th of uh, 2018, after that long fight, after the liver transplant, basically, you know, we started an advocacy process at that point. And it was really like, hey, you know what, if we don't know these things, how many other parents of America don't know these things? And what we can we do to assist them in knowing? And I'd always had an advocacy background just in a different a different space of advocacy. So, so tra- the actual trajectory for me had just changed in regards to the work that we were doing. Um, really, we thought that it was initially just about, you know, it was, we just thought it was about placing cold water tubs everywhere. And then we realized like, OK, we, you know, we donated we donated over 300 cold water tubs. Uh, literally in 2019 from Alaska to Florida. And actually a couple of the people that we donated tubs to back in 19 came up and said hello at the show last week in Philadelphia. But unfortunately, Jim, people kept passing, people, young people kept dying. So it's like, okay, well, we thought it was uh, just a football injury. Then we realized it was a sports injury. Anybody that's outside can succumb to heat-related injuries. And then we said, okay, you know what? You know, I like to talk, obviously you can see, but you know, again, I can't talk that much to get to this. Or what's going to make anything I just said stick when I would go speak at schools and things like that. So we realized that it was legislation at that point. And it was like, OK, let's get some laws passed. And we literally I'm proud to say we've gotten our um, our fourth law passed and went in effect. Uh, it's uh, called House Bill uh, 836. And basically what it does, it mandates that um, all coaching staff in uh, Maryland's public and middle public, middle and high schools, uh, have to be trained on their emergency action plan uh, twice a year before every every uh, spring season and every fall season. So as we were kind of just organically learning the process, you know, and, and we were making very, very incremental steps. Uh, the main thing was really education, 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 and not only education on heat related injuries and the signs and symptoms of the prevention of them. However, it was really more so about, you know, really we added the emergency action plan because that's the one consistent denominator in all those deaths that you just mentioned. You know, what wasn't done? What did what wasn't in place? So either an emergency action plan wasn't in place or emergency action plan wasn't practiced. And that's how we got to this point now where, you know, minus the safety equipment, that's ideal. But if you don't have a working emergency action plan, all of that's all of that's, you know, I mean, uh, um, uh, what's the what's the term? What are you? Uh, null and void in a sense. Exactly. Yeah, the emergency action plan is a is a critical piece, and it's got to be rehearsed almost in real time, uh, act, acting like a situation is really happening. Not okay. This is what we're going to do if this happens. Blah blah blah. But right. showing people how to do it, and that this is what happens initially. This is what the athlete will be acting like. If you don't have access or the ability or the permission to do a rectal thermometer uh, to assess a core temperature, what signs and symptoms are you going to be looking for? Uh, And then what's the next step after you call EMS? It might take them eight to 10 minutes to get there. 
But what are you going to do in that first critical 30 minute window when that person uh, starts exhibiting these signs and symptoms? And then having it, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but having things prepared in advance. You can't go fill up a tub in five minutes. It takes longer time. It takes time to get ice and all those things. Those are all things that have to be done in preparation. Let's let's we'll get back to that in just a minute. But let's divert. Um, Jordan was a lineman, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. he was a lineman. What the current research is finding today, the most critical point is reached for linemen because they're big. They're two hundred. They're now in my day they were two hundred. No, now they're three hundred yeah, plus yeah, pounds, and yeah. that uh, they uh, are very big. They uh, everybody has different sweat rates in that. Uh, everybody, these linemen are, they're determining are the higher risk of, of heat illness and that. So, and as we know, all these deaths have occurred during conditioning. As far as we know, nobody's never, ever died from, in a football game from a heat illness. It's always a conditioning and situation in that. So the research is showing us to keep a close watch on them for a number of reasons, what are you seeing or what are some of the, the factors, corrections that you think you can make for uh, alignment or really for anybody uh, that, that we could talk about for just a minute? Well, Jim, you made a very good point. So the main thing is, uh, let's just stay in, a, in alignment, in alignment space. You know, alignment are much bigger and obviously they're carrying more body weight. And the main thing is, obviously, like you said, they heat up quicker. So in Jordan's case, they were running gases the very first day of practice, right, which makes no sense. But. The main thing is when you look at real prevention, especially when it comes to linemen, you know, really they have to be, first of all, this is real prevention. Real prevention is you're not running punishment drills ever. You're not running, you're acclimating your student athletes initially before you do anything, get them acclimated in that 10 to 14 day window that it takes to acclimate them to the temperatures, uh, the, uh, the heat, everything at that point. And then, you know, lastly, you know, do position-specific drills. So, in other words, a lineman and a wide receiver shouldn't be doing the same drill. A lineman and a safety shouldn't be doing the same drill. You know, you and I both, you know, probably seen enough football games where linemen aren't aren't running any more than maybe what five to seven yards on a good on a good snap. So, again, these are the things that it takes really to prevent or good prevention. Is like I said, the things that I mentioned. No punishment drills ever, which a lot of coaches do in, in history, unfortunately. Uh, getting your student athletes acclimated, you know, and again, doing position specific drills. Linemen should be doing linemen drills. So that being said, I think that that's key because a lot of times when you try to do too much too quick, it's always a disaster. So like you just said, these injuries or these tragedies always happen on the first in the first few days of practice. With Jordan, it was the very first day of practice. Student athletes, his teammates, they weren't acclimated. I don't really think if anybody realized that they were properly hydrated, you know, they may have started hydration maybe a, a day, maybe not a day or two prior or a day or three prior to practice in a sense. And, you know, I think that no matter how big linemen are, or how big our student athletes are, uh, whether they're 6'5", 6'6", 300 plus pounds or whatever, at the end of the day, they're young people, they're children, they're still kids. So they're going to want to always please people. So they're going to please coach. Hey, did you do this? Yeah, coach, I did it. Knowing well that they didn't do it. But again, that's just being young. And that's just what them wanting to please coaches along the way. 
Exactly. As you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of factors involved, being acclimated, getting out of the house, getting in the heat. Uh, people come, and especially in colleges, come from different parts of the country. Maybe exactly. they've been in a cool environment uh, sure. all summer, and then they get into a very hot and humid environment. Um, you've got to address the intensity of practice, the intensity of the drills, uh, different running and conditioning for different sizes of athletes. Uh, the types of clothing that they wear, um, the amount of clothing that they wear, whether it's a practice or conditioning and that. So let's move on to another uh, topic here. You mentioned you provide a lot of cold tubs and those are great. But a yeah. step before that, uh, I believe, is what's called the wet bulb globe thermometer and yeah. the WBGT. And somebody yeah. wonders, what does that mean? And it's a, it's a different device that's designed to measure not only temperature, but humidity, wind speed, and to give us a variety of factors to let us know really when is it safe and what adjustments should be made. We're not trying to prevent uh, people from practicing or working out, but adjusting to the temperature and adjusting to the humidity, adjusting to the weather conditions that are out there. And so I think that's the next step that, um, well, one, the law requires it in many states now, but making sure that uh, this time of year when some athletic trainers are not at their high schools, for in particular, that the coaches are trained in what is the, the wet bulb globe, uh, what's it showing, what it, and what adjustments need to be made, and that it's just as important as having a good practice plan. You've got to have your uh, your WBGT ready to go there so that uh, – you can make decisions on how uh, to practice, how much to practice, um, the degree of intensity, the length, and, and what uniforms to wear. So any any comment on, on that you'd like to make? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I'm always still a, a student at, at this as well, Jim. Uh, met a lot of people uh, over last week at uh, NATA. And, you know, people talked about uh, the device that they use. It was a, some type of sling device that they used prior to the wet ball globe thermometer. Uh, uh, device in a sense. So I grew again, up with that sling psychometer. Exactly. It would, it would give us a temperature. Back then, it would kind of give us a heat index, but that's really not what we're looking at these days. So exactly, the technology is has improved, thankfully. Exactly, the technology is improved. And the interesting thing with that is, you know, I even met a gentleman that had an app where you could basically do it on your. I mean, use a wet bulb globe thermometer on your phone. You know, a lot of this really boils down to. Um, and I'm a, a proponent for wet bulb globe thermometer, but see, Jim, a lot of times, you know, what we really, we live in, we live in America, right? And this is the reality of America. You have schools that have resources, schools that don't have resources. So when I mean the school that has resources, they may can afford an athletic trainer. The schools that don't have resources, they can't afford an athletic trainer. So it all boils down to education in regards to basically the rule of thumb, like you mentioned earlier about rectal thermometer, just because you don't have a rectal thermometer doesn't mean that you're not going to go ahead and uh, start the cool down process in a sense. You'll just go to the next rule of thumb when it comes to these things. So, again, you know, we look at these schools that have resources, the ones that don't have resources. So it all boils down to the education. The people that don't have the resources need to be more educated because in the event of they may not have that insurance policy of an athletic trainer to kind of save the day in a sense. So the more educated those people are, the safer student athletes to be in a sense. But with the wet ball globe thermometer, I mean, I'm a firm uh, proponent of that. And obviously the main thing is to use it consistently and then follow whatever the state guidelines are in regards to 
whatever the weather conditions may be to take the proper rest breaks, proper water breaks, proper uh, clothing, have the proper clothing on when it gets too hot. And then the main thing is I respect every athletic trainer that makes an executive call. And I respect every coach that follows the executive call and say, hey, you know what? Not today. We'll be out here tomorrow. We can come later when the temperature decreases or something like that. Exactly. When we talk about resources, availability, and some, like you say, half the nation may not have a certified athletic trainer, but these other things that the, the laws impact, such as the tub and the emergency action plan, wet bulb globe, those are not a big expense. You think of the expense to outfit one athlete uh, oh, yeah. with, a pair, with a helmet, a shoulder pads, shoes, clothing, uh, you could probably get all the heat prevention things you need right there, one athlete. And uh, so it's it's very reasonable and it's very doable in that. So uh, preparation is the key to preventing heat illness. And so what are, you, what are some of your suggestions that there are things that we can control, things we can't control, but things we can continue to educate on? Hydration was a big key. You mentioned what are some other things that uh, that maybe do's and don'ts that we should do? preparation yeah. yeah great question um i mean the dues would be to uh obviously hydration you know obviously acclimatization acclimatization and basically the, you know i'm a i'm a i'm a guy that likes to use big words but also i like to understand them in layman's terms i tell if i don't know it give it to me like i'm a three-year-old so basically you know really i like to emphasize that when it takes to acclimatize this gives your and, and it's interesting i'm gonna throw a little humor in there you know a lot of times when people our age, I'm 53, we were acclimatized without even knowing we were acclimatized, right? You know, because again, everybody that grew up with air conditioner and all of the, 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 the creature habits that life has or a lot of these student athletes grow up with nowadays or the today's student athletes grow up with. So we were already, you know, acclimatized because we played out in the hot weather all day long and that's just what it was. We, even nowadays, we have a different type of athlete. So again, nowadays, hydration is key. And, you know, really, you know, we can talk about the prevention and all these different things. You know, it's really important to plant that seed of um, advocacy in regards to our young student athletes. You know, that's one of the big things I kind of beat myself up at as a parent. Like I taught Jordan everything that I thought I knew. Stand up for yourself, fight for yourself, always be a leader, never a follower. However, I never really told him to, son, if you feel uncomfortable, speak up. If your body tells you to stop, stop. Those were life lessons. Now, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but, you know, it's hard when you got a college player and they can see visions of the next level. They're going to just push, push, push. But I think that as parents, you know, we really need to advocate or plant those seeds of advocacy because guess what? Not only will it save their lives, it probably will save one of their teammates' lives as well. So those will be pretty much the do's in a sense. The don'ts would be considered as coaches. You can't run punishment drills at all. Like, I mean, and some of the crazy things you hear coaches doing, don't run punishment drills. Make sure your kids are acclimated. You know, really, those are the important things. You said it, Jim, in regards to a safety tent or the cool down process, you know, really like the main goal is like one of my medical advisory doctors uh, on my on our medical advisory board. He always says, guess what? Heat, heat injuries aren't a bad thing. Mismanaged heat injuries are are worse things. So we all know nobody goes from zero to heat stroke. You go from heat exhaustion. The main goal is to assess, identify, and let's cool this person down. Let's not even get, let it get to a heat stroke if we catch 
if we're educated and we can catch these signs and symptoms early on. Exactly. And I'll just add to that, some things to stay away from. Um, watch your medications you take. Yep. Be aware of those things. Uh, supplements can be very draining and dehydrating. Uh, caffeine, energy drinks uh, that accelerate the heart rate and, and that. So, uh, and have your, uh, get the new, just have your snacks, have your prehydrate. I always tell my kids, nobody ever goes, starts a NASCAR race with half a tank of gas. You yeah. got to have it full if you want to compete. And sure. a, a positive message to get kids sometimes is that <clears throat> hydration affects your performance. So if you want to perform well, be properly hydrated and uh, get the proper rest that you need. And uh, those are sometimes hard messages to hear. But uh, you're, if you want to do, you can't, uh, you can't stay out with the owls and soar with the eagles, right? So, Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Heard that right. before. For sure. So we talk about creating a cool zone uh, for any practice game event. Uh, what's, what's a cool zone and how, how economical can it be? Oh, man, let me tell you, I, I, I tell people all the time, especially, you know, I do a lot of parent education. A sixteen bag, a sixteen pound bag of ice only costs seven dollars. I tell parents all the time, especially at the club level, grab when you went, when you're in route to a practice, games, anything like that. Make sure you just when you stop your um, young person off to get water or Gatorade. Make sure you get a bag of ice. Best thing can happen with a bag of ice at a melt. I mean, the worst thing can happen at a melt. Best thing it can save a life. So I encourage people always bring ice, towels, water to all games. Uh, I mean, it's a cool zone. I mean, even to the point where you got spray bottles with ice water in them. I mean, it's so many different modalities that we can basically use to cool a student athlete down. And the thing is, the more, you know, the more organized or the more practice that we are with these things, it never can get to or shouldn't get to that, that explosive big picture in a sense. So I tell people, hey, between ice towels, water, a tarp, spray bottles. Those are the things that will start the cool down process in the event that you may not be. I, I think it's all logistics. If you're not close, like you said earlier, you know, to fill a water tub, a cold water tub up, I mean, that's a process. But again, we can start the process prior to these things. Right. And you've, you've got some things on your website uh, and we are, that we'll put in our show notes. And we yep. also have at our JSMP website, some demonstrations of how you can cool an athlete and as simply as putting them in a tarp with cold yep. ice water and uh, reducing their, their core body temperature with that. So we've talked a lot about uh, prevention, how to de decrease these injuries, things like that. But uh, as we kind of wrap up here, what are some of the main messages you'd like to get across to you can do it to coaches, parents, athletes, uh, but just some of your main messages as we, as we close out here. Yeah, well, our main message, first of all, is really, you know, just education. We really promote awareness, education, and prevention around heat-related injuries. Uh, coaches, I, I tell coaches, be smart. You know, know these things. Parents, even more so, ask the right questions beyond, can my child play uh, or why is it my child playing? Ask the safety questions. Ask the, if they have an emergency action plan. Ask if the organization has uh, any type of um, CPR certification. Look at what equipment they have. If they have an AD machine, do they even have a cold water tub? Do you know what a cold water tub looks like and what it does? So really the education around these things is ideal. Uh, student athletes, I like your analogy just now. You cannot soar with eagles if you want to hang with owls all night. I'll use that more moving forward. But these are just the basic things that, you know, really, and, and student athletes, 
again, you know, listen to your body. And if something doesn't feel right, speak up. And these are things that I think are core messages for everyone to kind of keep everybody safe, especially student athletes. You know, if you don't have it, don't be afraid to speak up and say, coach, you know what? I don't have it today. And, uh, you know, guess what? I'd rather see somebody say, I don't have it today to live again, to play tomorrow. Very good. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Mr. Martin McNair, the founder of the Jordan McNair Foundation. And these are great, great tips. Uh, we're so sorry that you have had to go through this, but you are an excellent advocate and uh, parents have got to speak up and we appreciate everything that you were doing. Other people like Lori Giordano and the Zach Martin Foundation yeah. and, and yeah. others who have lost children uh, really needlessly to uh, to heat, heat stroke and that. So let's all do everything we can do to learn the best uh, practices, uh, put these into play and uh and, and to be, keep our kids safe out there. And again, I think a great message for the kids is don't be afraid to speak up. We're learning that with mental health. We're learning that with conditioning and that. And uh, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. In that. Exactly. So, so we hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Youth Sports Safety Update. We're dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and prevention. Please share what you've learned and implement to make sports and those who participate safer. One way is to make sure your school or sports team is safely prepared is to have a certified licensed athletic trainer present. Please subscribe to our podcast and write a review and search our website at jaxsmp.com. The Youth Sports Safety Update is produced by JSMP. Your host and producer today is Jim Mackey. Please join us again soon, and thank you very much.